Nicole is a trumpeter and singer extraordinaire, currently thrilling audiences worldwide on Oceana Cruise Lines, and she has two albums to her credit, Showtime and Upside, and can be found at NicoleSasser.com. So, Nicole, get us up to speed. What is going on in your world right now? I'm in the Alaska season, so um, I'm mainly working on Oceana Cruise Lines, and I do about one cruise a month. I have two kids, so I need to be home for them. I'm having a great time. My job is very fun, not going to lie. I get my own cabin or suite, depending on the ship, and I practice a lot in my downtime, and it's a blast. Well, I saw your photos of Alaska on Facebook, and man, so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was an amazing vacation. I got to bring my boyfriend on, and... Mm. It was right in time for our one-year anniversary of dating. So we're on a fifteen, dollars $15,000 cruise, and I'm getting paid to be on it, and it was great. Describe a show, because you, you only do two shows per cruise, right? Yes. Wow. So basically, a 10-day cruise, you're out at sea, and you do 90 minutes of showtime total. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Singing and trumpet, and every okay. song that I do... As singing, I also incorporate the trumpet, and I also bring my flugelhorn. They always love to see a second instrument. These people think it's amazing that you're playing a second instrument, and it's relatively similar to the trumpet. Um, there's not much different, but I'm I'm playing a lot of trumpet in my show, and they like that I'm an instrumentalist, and most of the people who aren't musicians, I guess, in the audience, they're like, how do you do that? How do you go from trumpet to singing and so fast? And <laughs> I don't know. It's it's not that difficult for me. I don't know. <laughs> they're amazed by it. And how do you sing and you play the trumpet? Okay. It's so interesting just, to see people, they're just amazed, like this childlike wonderment at things that musicians are like, it's it's just like waking up for us, you know, it's just, I, I don't know, this is just what I do, and they're just so in awe. You, you think that's great, you should watch me tie my shoes, I mean, you don't say that, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, playing the songs in my show, of course I have really difficult songs, but the whole aspect of putting them together, to me, is not a big deal. Right. So. Because that's just what you do. Yep. All right. This podcast is about peak musical performance. And, of course, Nicole is a peak performer in music, both singing and trumpet. But uh, I like to start out each interview with what you consider to be a moment that you consider to be a worst. Uh, Let me start this over. I like to start each interview with what you consider to be one of your worst moments as a performer. It's just a moment where you expected to do well and it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Take us to a moment like that. I have three moments and I'd really like to talk about all three because they're very interesting. The The most recent one happened a few weeks ago. I had a really bad rehearsal and when I have rehearsals at 11 o'clock in the morning for a 9.30 show, there's so much more 
relaxed because if a chart is missing or the flash drive isn't working for my pre-show movie, we've got time to figure it out. But this show, um, there was a seven o'clock rehearsal and it's great if you're a guy, you just do the rehearsal, you do the show, but I've got to do my hair, makeup, all that stuff. And it takes me a while. And it makes me a little bit on edge. I have trouble relaxing for the rehearsal. So uh, I got into the rehearsal and I felt like I couldn't remember some of the music. Like I just couldn't remember anything. And I think it really embarrassed me in front of the other musicians because here I'm supposed to be the guest entertainer Mm -hmm. and I'm really screwing up in rehearsal and it's embarrassing. Um, I'm sorry, this is in the, this is an afternoon rehearsal? No, this was like oh. seven o'clock at night for a nine thirty show. So But you're you you're used you're more you're accustomed to more time to prepare yeah, between the rehearsal. I I just like an early rehearsal because yeah. I'm more relaxed. I know yeah. I've got plenty of time during the day to do my hair, do my makeup, take a little nap, but this is like go, go. I don't know. I think I think what screwed me up was just having mistakes that were obvious to the band and being mortally embarrassed. So I, I guess I would say I should have been more prepared. Um, one of my more humorous mistakes was actually in Carnegie Hall in the high school orchestra, Chicago Youth Symphony. Well, not high school, but young kids. And I switched over to a different seat and I started to play the beginning of American in Paris as a trumpet solo and it sounded really weird to me. And I realized I had the wrong trumpet. Three seats next to me was my C trumpet and I had my B flat trumpet or vice versa. And so I was freaking out because we're in Carnegie Hall. And so I just transposed it on the spot. I had no time to reach over for the for the other trumpet. And um, the this uh, other performance, it was monumental, instrumental in helping me change my life because I did this show on a bigger stage than I was ever used to performing on. It was very nerve wracking. I had a dressing room. There was a comedian who opened for me. So I get out to perform and I'm freaking out. My hands are shaking. uh, My heart is racing. And because I'm so nervous, I don't use the proper muscles correctly. Mm. So I'm I'm wasting my chops and about yeah. in into the first song I of trumpet I I blew my chops. It mm. felt as if I had been playing for 3 hours. So by the time I got to my last song I had to cut my last song. I couldn't do it. And the next day I'd been considering beta blockers and reading about them and you know there's controversy in general about whether they're cheating in music but there's also you know it's a drug and it affects your heart so there's a little bit of a danger aspect Mm -hmm. to it sure but i decided i didn't care anymore and i went to the doctor and i got beta blockers and i started using them and honestly they i was going to quit the trumpet i was going to quit performing i was like i can't do this and they changed the way i perform and I enjoy performing now instead of freaking out. I think it changed it changed my life. Wow. So this this third story you just told that was that on a cruise ship? 
No, that was on land before I ever started okay. doing cruise okay. ships. Thank goodness I had a <sighs> chance to learn. But I know some people say, oh, adrenaline, it's it's good for you. But I know my mom had really bad anxiety whenever she performed piano for the church choir. And I've mm-hmm. got it, too. I kind of feel like it's genetic. Mm-hmm. But for me, I need it. I can actually enjoy my performance. So I guess it's different for each person. Yeah. Yeah. We're all different. So it sounds to me like you just it, it was difficult for you to even enjoy performing. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And when I was nervous and I sang, nothing happened. And if I forgot lyrics, I just made them up. But when I was playing the trumpet, I played the wrong way. And Mm. your lips can't hold out if you stop, you know, breathing properly. I wasn't breathing properly. You weren't breathing properly because you were nervous. Right. You were anxious. Yeah. So I used my lips to produce the sound instead of my air. And I just wasted my chops. Yeah, you're right. That's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. What What is the timeline when, when this happened? That was probably, I want to say 2009, 2010. So in 2008, I re- released my first album, Showtime, mm-hmm. which was my show. And I used the CD as backing tracks to perform it in retirement communities. And then I started getting into bigger and bigger communities and I got an agent. Some of them were mobile home parks and, you know, they have community clubhouses and not that big of a stage to perform on in a small room. So it's not Mm -hmm. that nerve wracking. And then this, this last one that I had where I needed the beta blockers the next day was at sun city center. And it's a huge retirement city, kind of like the villages in Florida And so they had a very nice theater, really big theater, dressing room, huge stage. So that's why I got really nervous. And that was um, probably 2009, 2010. And then 2011 is when I got my first cruise in December. So I I was very impatient for my cruise ship show and I wasn't ready at all. So it was kind of good that it didn't happen until later when I was ready. So the larger the crowd, the more nervous you got. Oh, yeah, for sure. Wow. Interesting. And also, if I know the person or if it's all trumpet players, I'd rather (laughs) perform now. I'd rather perform in front of 20,000 people. That would be less nerve-wracking than a room of 20 trumpet players. (laughs) I I was talking to Larry Marigolano on this podcast, and he totaled very... Very similar story. In fact, he told a story about how he was playing in front of 450,000 people. And wow. And he was, he was just fine. He was just loving it. And then all of a sudden he looks over and he sees Arturo Sandoval looking at him. Ooh. And then Wayne, Wayne Bergeron is looking at him. And all of a sudden it wasn't so fun. <laughs> yeah, that makes me really nervous. Wow. Uh, tell me about, I was intrigued by what you said about you were impatient about the starting the cruise ship, but you weren't quite ready for it. Can you expound on that? I wanted this job. I started seriously pursuing it in college my junior year, after my junior year, and I got my first song arranged. I was planning all the music because the following, two years following, I worked on a cruise ship in the band on the Norwegian Wind, and I saw these guest entertainers come on board, and we would play their show, and I said, I want to do that. 
so I started asking people, what song would you like to hear? And, and putting it together, my ideas. And of course, it's changed dramatically from when I started day one to day. Actually, I'm still evolving my show to this day. Mm-hmm. But the first few songs I got arranged, I didn't use or I changes, changed a lot. The, the second song, I had a dance for the first minute of it and then decided, yeah, I can't dance and then pick up the trumpet. <laughs> so then I had my show ready after I made my album and I sent my demo to the agency. So this is five years in after working at Disney a lot and getting songs arranged at the same time. So five years later, I have my show semi put together with my album and I send a video to this agency, Don Casino Productions and they said, okay, even if we like you, we have 27 singers out of work, so we can't, we can't use you right now. And that was in 2008 when the economic crash happened and nobody was hiring anybody. So it wasn't a good time, but also was a blessing in disguise because I was not ready. If I had just gone into a, onto a big cruise ship on a huge stage, I would have bombed. And once you bomb, that's it. That's your only chance. Wow. So you needed that that story that you told earlier. Yeah, it was in, like a in, three in that retirement year, community. It was a three year growth period and right. then I was ready. And I, I think also my first I was always performing with tracks. My very first performance on a cruise ship, there was a nine piece band. I was scared to death to learn there were trumpet players. Uh, in the band because you know if it was no trumpet players I wouldn't be that nervous but uh, I realized that day I had no idea what the tempos were for all of my songs because I played with tracks and I didn't know what to say to the band like oh this section is faster we're gonna have a transition it was it was like a three-hour rehearsal and now I can rehearse my show in about an hour right Wow, what I mean, what? Because I've performed with tracks too, and it's totally different to go from yeah. that to playing with a pianist. Totally different, totally yeah. different thing. Yeah. So, sometimes the pianist is a soloist as well, and we butt heads. <sighs> um, describe the difference between that that scenario that you described, and then you go you go to the doctor and you get your beta blockers. What beta blocker do you use, if you don't mind me asking? Propanol. Propanol. 10 milligrams. I can also get by with half of a dose. Mm-hmm. And I take it about an hour and 15. I actually found this article online written by this professor or performer, and he wrote to me personally and gave me advice on how to experiment with when to take it. Some people take it an hour before, 30 minutes before, hour 15. So I've always had luck with taking it an hour and 15. And it's amazing. I, I stand backstage right before, and I feel great. I'm excited. You feel like uh, like invincible? Yeah, and, and wow. on other lines, I've had two shows per night, and right. only only um, only one show. So, okay, so I have my A show and my B show. Well, on other lines, they make me do... Only my A show, but I have a 7 p.m. show and a 9 p.m. show. And so I definitely didn't want to experiment, you know, not using the beta Mm. blockers because what if I got 
blown my chops in the first show and I can't play the second show. So a few cruises where I've only had one show, I experimented and, you know, said to myself, I don't want to be dependent on this. I can do it. And I tried it and I could get through it, but it took me 20 minutes to calm down. And my show is 45 minutes. And I can't, I don't want to go through half of my show not enjoying it. Right. So, and the what first... Was the, what was the... Describe um, that first scenario that you described, and then you go see the doctor, and this is what I was... Before I interrupted myself. Um, describe the difference between that performance and then your first performance after getting your prescription and then using Indoral. What was the... Can you describe... Uh, <sighs> I don't remember. Like I don't remember, but I know oh, really? that it gave me. I remember thinking, "Okay, I can do this. I don't have to quit. Mm. I can actually perform." And I, I was very happy that I tried it because you know I was a little scared, a little skeptical. This is a heart medication, but it, it's also it's it's also a performance medication. It it saved me. Wow! So you were ready to quit. A little bit, yeah, because I wasn't making it. I wasn't performing well. I was too nervous, and I didn't have any fun. It wasn't fun playing when I'm scared to death. I didn't enjoy it. I don't know anyone who does enjoy that. <laughs> what is the name of that article? I want to write that down. Maybe get it on the show notes. Um, I can find it. I can okay. find it. Well, send it to me, and then we'll we'll get it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we're going to continue this conversation right after we take a moment to thank our sponsor nicole you are now on the hot seat do you think you can stand the heat sure <laughs> you got your you got your end all you ready i can handle it <laughs> all right it is five minutes before you go on stage for performance on your cruise ship show what are you doing i'm going to the bathroom one last time very nice. Love that answer. <laughs> well, uh, I, I pound the water. I pound the water mm -hmm. the day before. I pound the water the day of. And then a little trick I use for singing. Oh, also, because of the water, you can't actually drink water during your show and think it's going to hydrate you. You have to drink it like crazy the day before. So okay. another trick I use is sucking on a cough drop. I really like the Ricolo ones. And... It coats your throat. Now, the bad thing is you won't know if you're hurting your throat. And some people say you shouldn't have cough drops for that reason. But I love it because for some reason, I don't need water at all when I have a cough drop. And now I'm kind of addicted to that. And if I don't have one, I'm like, oh, I can't do my show. I need a cough drop. So I start right. freaking out a little bit. But um, I put on my lipstick. I have a lip stain, so it doesn't come off when I play the trumpet. And the last thing I do is when I'm backstage and the curtain's about to open, the band will play a little play-on for the cruise director, like... So I just dance really goofy to that, kind of just pumping myself up, like, I'm going to have a great time. So you're just having fun. Yeah. Love it. That's what it's about. What is the best performance advice you've ever received? My mom always says, enjoy the music and then the audience will too. And mm. I think that's a really good concept to remember. I mean, at the end of the day, you're performing music for people to enjoy. 
It's not a competition. It's not a test. It's just you're you're sharing your gift of music to people, and they just want to sit there and enjoy it. And sometimes we let the nerves get in the way. And if you, I've experienced this. If I really do enjoy it, they know it, and they do too. And then my other um, advice for when you do a bad show, what I've heard is you are your worst critic. So at the end of the day, probably nobody knew what you did wrong. And if they do, and if they do, they probably don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's say uh, that someone comes to you and they say that they're struggling with stage fright. What is one thing that you would tell them? Okay. For the physical, the handshaking, the heart racing, the sweaty palms. I love beta blockers. Um, I'm not going to lie. They're amazing. So I would say go for it. It's such a small dose and it's one time when you perform. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. And the uh, for the mental aspect, I read both the inner game of music and the inner game of tennis. I almost like the inner game of tennis better. And that really helps you um, understand that there's two voices in your head, self one and self two. And you have to turn off self two and not have listened to that voice saying, you're going to fail. You're going to crack. You're going to embarrass yourself. You're going to get fired. You're going to lose your job. So you have to turn that voice off and just focus on the music. For me, if I close my eyes and I sing the pitches in my head before I'm actually playing them, it helps me to not think about the actual fingering of the trumpet because if you think about the fingerings, you will screw up. You have to let it happen because it's, it's um, what's the word? It's, it's muscle memory. And my mom mm -hmm. teaches about memory. If I've played this song a thousand times, it's there. It's in my brain. I just have to get to it. And your, your brain can also get in the way of accessing that. Sleep is important. Exercise is important. Everything is important to accessing what is in your brain. So I just like to close my eyes and don't let anything draw attention and lose my focus. Like the kids in the audience, if they're rarely this happens, but they're distracting and the person talking and trying to take pictures with their iPad, everything can be a distraction. So I block it all out. Beautiful. What is a non-musical activity that helps you succeed as a musician? I would say discipline. It takes a lot of time in the practice room, and you have to really want it to succeed. And I also like exercising. I feel like it keeps my body in good health and my uh, my heart is good. I can breathe properly. And I remember I had this vocal coach and he was a bit intimidating and, you know, anything he said I, I did because I would cower in front of him. And he was like, you need to do three days a week of physical activity so that you can sing. And then the next week I'd show up and he goes, did you exercise? And I'd I couldn't lie. So I was like, oh, I didn't. And I felt so bad. So ever since then, I've been a little better about getting three times a week of 
um, physical activity. Very nice. All right, this is the final question of the interview, but it is a doozy. And this is like a dream gig scenario. So we're looking for specifics of, of, the, of the scene. So it is the end of the performance. The crowd is on its feet, giving you a standing ovation. They don't want anything more. They don't want anything less. Everything is absolutely perfect. What have you just done? Where are you? Where did you play? Who did you play with? What did you play? Paint us a beautiful picture. Okay, so you don't want an actual performance in my it past. Can be, it can be real or it can be something like that you dream about. Okay, well, I had one show that I, I felt really good about. I knew I nailed it. And, you know, a, a standing ovation is kind of important to me. And when you don't get it every time, it makes it more, you appreciate it a lot more. And so when I do get one, I'm just like, hand to my heart. I just, I want to cry. And I'm so happy that I, that I was able to get them on their feet. And one of my shows, they was with a band and I finished the Carnival of Venice, which is just like my fourth song in my show. And they were standing up and cheering and I'm like, I didn't even finish my show yet. And then, um, I did another song of vocal the Girl in 14G, which is a sh- major showstopper. It's got opera and jazz and scatting. And they were standing up after that one. And it's great because I've never had that in a show. I, I, it was like momentum to keep going in the show. I mean, this is happening before the show's over. Um, I've seen Lindsey Sterling perform. And I've got some EDM music, dance, electronic music. And... My dream show would be to start performing in Hard Rock Live places where I've got male dancers, you know, spinning fire and awesome lights and and people just screaming and jumping up and down. Like, they're just standing for this concert, screaming their heads off. And it's crazy. The lights and the costumes and I'll have a trumpet that's covered in diamonds (laughs) or at least cubic zirconian diamonds well that's a wrap for this episode of trumpet dynamics telling the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it are you a true listener visit trumpetdynamics.com to learn more about the show and subscribe to my email newsletter you can also find us on facebook where we record a live Pay It Forward Friday episode each Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just type in jamesnewcomontrumpet.com into your browser to find the Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we will be in your earballs soon. You're still here. You must like this show or something. Well, I've got a special offer for you for hanging in there to the very end and proving yourself to be a true listener. I have a brand new, and it is exclusive for devoted fans of the Trumpet Dynamics podcast. It is called The Secret Chamber of Don Clarino. 
brand new. I don't even know what's going to come of it. I'm honestly not even really involved in it, but I'm contractually obligated to tell you about it as an employee of the Trumpet Dynamics podcast. So if you want to learn more about it, here's the URL, trumpetdynamics.live forward slash DC, trumpetdynamics.live forward slash DC. It's a short registration process, and you'll be in there. Okay. I don't know if I'm even allowed to be in there, honestly. But check it out. See if you like it. Later. <laughs>